Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I am your host, Tim Burns, the common man with common sense and an uncommon desire to know the truth. Well, we're heading, this is Memorial Day weekend, and uh, there couldn't be a better fitting subject than what we're going to talk about, and it is the formula for world peace, because part of that formula is, well, what our military has done, part of ensuring domestic tranquility is providing for the common defense, because if you don't do that, provide for the common defense, you're not going to ensure domestic tranquility. So we're going to get to that real quickly, but I wanted to uh, bring up a couple of quick points regarding yesterday's show. We talked about solutions for America, or particularly one solution. I call it the political evolution, the we the people revolution, and it happened 160 years ago. Well, we're in that same position now. In fact, we've had two profound elections. Sometimes you have to slap them in the face. Slap them in the face. Just to get their attention. The problem is, is those two elections did not get their attention. They're so in love with themselves. And I'm specifically talking about the Republicans in Washington, D.C., who seem to be, well, we know what Democrats are. And it seems that all Republicans want to do is be like Democrats And there's one reason, because there's so much money going to Washington, D.C., there's so much control and power that comes with. And we're going to talk about the formula for world peace because it actually, within that formula, resides power. No matter what times in the march of civilization it is, that power is encapsulated in that basic formula that our founding fathers recognized. But again... Wrapping up yesterday, we have the opportunity. They're not listening. The slaps upside the head. 2010, the most profound election in this country's history of turnover between Democrat losses and Republican gains. Thousand plus seats. And it was based on a movement, a grassroots movement. Just like 160 years ago, there was a grassroots movement. And it found a political home 160 years ago. But yet we're told... It's a two-party system. There's no such thing as a third party. I wonder if those same arguments arguments were made back then. Hey, we're a two-party system. And yet what happened? The first Republican platform came out in 1856, and four years later, there was a president of the United States in that party, Abraham Lincoln. That proves one thing, that the grassroots movement back then to abolish slavery, slavery People were hungry for it. And in four years, bam, it happened. Political evolution, we the people, revolution, Allah, the Constitution happened. 
I think we're ripe for that to happen again. I think there is a base of people out there we talked about. Two out of every three people in this country, when polled, say they're either conservative or somewhat conservative. That crosses all lines. Economic lines, gender lines, political lines, race lines. But they have something in common. And I think slowly but surely it's reaching deeper and deeper the recognition that Washington is out of control. Every time there's any kind of prosperity in my back pocket and your back pocket, what happens? It's an opportunity to tax it some more. I know people who, years ago, it was slightly less than three pieces out of a 10-piece pie that was being taken. It's three and a half pieces out of a 10-piece pie. And this is, you know, that's what gets people's attention is, is money or the lack thereof or the opportunity to save one's wealth and to create one's own prosperity. And yet, time after time, they need more of it. And if they take it in incremental amounts, they can get away with it. Well, I believe this opportunity is here for this country right now. And all they need to do is find the political home like they did back then 160 years ago. And these stereotypical arguments, they're hogwash. So that kind of wraps up the whole show yesterday. But I did have another mention because I mentioned the Ten Commandments. And there's one great commandment, and, and this will go with what we're going to talk about for the rest of the hour. There's one great commandment. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. That is the nail upon which Allah, the Bible verse, all the law hangs upon. The rest of the picture of the law hangs upon that great commandment nail. In fact, if you look at the great commandment and then look at the details of those ten commandments, you will recognize that loving God with all your heart, mind, and soul, those first four commandments show you how to do that, how to love God. The next six commandments show you how to love your neighbor. And isn't it striking that the first one listed of the six that show how to love your neighbor as yourself is honor your father and mother? must have been a linchpin in the thinking that that's where it all begins. That respect and honor that should come with. And do we have that in this country anymore? Not much. They're tossed aside. Hey, they're old. Oh, us young'uns, we have all the good ideas, but we don't have any wisdom, the wisdom of experience. When you compare that nail of the great commandment and all the law hanging upon it to the preamble of the Constitution, those 52 powerful words that create and start the we the people institution. That is the nail upon which the rest of the Constitution hangs. In order to have the Constitution implemented with all the political infrastructure, you have to have a firm grasp of what those 52 words mean, and that's what we're going to go over today. So I, I just wanted to wrap up a couple of things regarding that. Now, where do we start? What is the traditional view of how you create a world peace organization? Well, we've got one in New York City right now, and we had one at the beginning of the 19th century called the League of Nations. It failed.
Why? Well, when you build a building on sand, it cannot withstand the storms. When you put together a group of people, a house divided, if they're not of common ground, a house divided amongst itself cannot stand. It's why the League of Nations failed. It's why the UN was destined to fail from its very onset, why it's failing now, and why it will fail. And in my mind, let's just, if the world wants that UN, then let's take it outside of this country. We don't need all these spy mechanisms. I can understand the old philosophy of, oh, well, we've got all these eavesdropping abilities and we really want them all in one place. But think about the reality. Here is a nation, the United States of America, reaching down to the bottom level, its individual citizens, and guaranteeing them that right, those unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And here we're sitting at a table of other nations and that particular representative across the table who guarantees nothing. The government he represents guarantees nothing to the individual citizens in their country. You cannot have a solution where there isn't any common ground and there is no common ground in the UN. I got a good idea. Throw this thing out there. Let them find a home somewhere else. And let's, in that place in New York City, let's create a brand new world peace organization based upon the formula for world peace that's contained in those 52 words in the preamble of the United States of America. We the people of anywhere. And what is the common, what would we call this, the United constitutional republics of the world. You know what one word doesn't, is not said in our constitution? The word democracy doesn't exist because we're not a democracy. We're a constitutional republic based upon democratic principles. We break that power from the top down and we immediately in, initiate the bottom level mob rule into a representative system with checks and balances all the way in between until they meet each other. It's, it's the most ingenious things any man has, that mankind has ever put together. Well, that would be my world organization. And guess how many members would be in that? One. It would be an opportunity for us to get back on our high horse and start doing good because the only way people are going to join that, other nations are going to join that, the only way they would say, yeah, that formula, those 52 words, that's a good starting point. We the people of this nation, we the people of that nation, you want to be in this new world peace organization, want to join the United States, then you adopt our Constitution word for word. That's a good starting point. There's common ground. And there would be a whole bunch of things you could do as far as um, progress thereof of each nation integrating it. But we did have, in Iraq, we had a primitive constitutional republic taking place. That first election, 17 million purple thumbs being threatened by al-Qaeda to be killed, coming out of those polling booths, the smiles, the joy on their face, the first body of elected representatives to that we the people, primitive we the people institution in Iraq were women. 
Tell me where that exists anywhere in the Arab world. It doesn't. And so let us start with the actual words, and then I'm going to bring up some two cents worth as we go through it. I always refer to it as my two cents worth from the nickel seats, but I'm hoping they're actually pretty good pieces of the puzzle. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, how does this document start? We, the people. If you look at the Declaration of Independence, it is striking in its regard towards pointing out the individual unalienable rights that each one of us as human beings has, retains, hopefully can experience. We do in this country. We take it for granted in this country. But there's, uh, I wanted to make a little bit of a point about this because I was watching a history channel and regarding Thomas Jefferson, the author of, and even though he was out of the country during the drafting of the Constitution in, 18, in uh, uh, 1787, you know, it took us 11 years from declaring our independence to actually getting us to where 13 different countries, you might say, 13 different states seceded a certain amount of sovereign, pow sovereign power in order to come together as a United States of America. And so if you look at um, what I saw on a history channel, Jefferson is the author. And as I watched this program, they made mention that as this first draft was being put together by Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin was there. And when you look at the stereotypes that Thomas Jefferson has retained, one of the big ones, if it's not regarding owning slaves and being a hypocrite because of that, uh, it was the fact that, hey, he separated church and state, and there's no way he was for God in the public forum. There's no, he wanted to obliterate any talk of God in the public forum, which is actually not true because his university, the University of Virginia, Actually, he wrote in there that he encouraged the different sects of religion to be on campus, not in a corner of the campus, but actually on campus near the library. And his whole reasoning was, is you expose people who might have a narrow-minded bias regarding their religion or any kind of thoughts, the more you expose these individual youth to different ideas, whether they agree with it or not, it is almost a lesson in tolerance that happens. It softens, as he says, softens their aspirate, it softens their, their biases by the mere exposure. He called for religions to actually be on the first un public university campus. Bet you didn't know that. Well, here's Thomas Jefferson with this classic stereotype and when he's putting together the Declaration of Independence, he's, he's, got, he's asking Ben Franklin for, what do you think, Ben? We hold these truths to be self-evident. Do you know what Jefferson had in the original draft? He had, we hold these truths to be sacred. Now, if you look at the word sacred, it goes against the grain of all the stereotypes that have been lopped all over Thomas Jefferson. 
Why would Thomas Jefferson, and here's Ben Franklin saying, well, maybe we shouldn't use the word sacred. Now, as it follows up, we've seen what our education system has done to the Declaration. It might be in the textbooks, but it certainly isn't taught. Why? Because it's got the word creator in there. And that can't be. And why would Thomas Jefferson do that? Didn't he realize he was separating, well, by your definition of separation of church and state, didn't do away with God in the public forum. It did away with God and the establishment of any religion by the government had nothing to do with obliterating religion. So we've got Ben Franklin telling Thomas Jefferson, well, maybe you should come up with another word instead of sacred. Sacred, devoted or dedicated to a deity or to some religious person, purpose, consecrated, entitled to veneration or religious respect. Well, Thomas Jefferson cleared it up, but what he used was even better, I think. All right, stick around, folks. This is the Tim Burns Show on 810 KLVZ. Tim Burns, Phenomenal Exhibit Services. You know, big business is done at these conventions, and if you are the responsible party, your company, for making those exhibits work right on the convention floor, and it seems that it's nothing but hassles and headaches and nightmares, that the logistics just aren't working, I encourage you to make a phone call to Nominal Exhibit Services. They're the one place that starts and ends the process. They take you from point A to point B, and they will free up the most important thing you need, time to do business at these conventions. Conventions. So call them, 303-901-9090. Hey, John, what's up? Hey, Dave. I'm going to get Sue something from this really cool jewelry website. What's the special occasion? There isn't one, but I was talking to Hank, and he said he went to JT Jewelry and got Jill something. And funny story, he was watching a movie and heard the line, the key to a woman's heart is an unexpected gift at an unexpected time. He goes to JT Jewelry and not only got her a pair of earrings, he got her a pendant too. He gives her the earrings and she loved them. A few minutes later, he gives her the pendant and tells her, let's go to the jewelry store and get fitted into a necklace that's just the way you want it. He got her two pieces of jewelry? Yeah, he said the prices were so good he couldn't resist, but the story gets better. They went to a company outing and the boss's wife saw the pendant and just loved it. Jill was a hit of the party. That must have made him feel good. Good? Hank said the night might have been even better than his wedding night. (laughs) (laughs) What's that website again? JT-Jewelry.com Alrighty then, back again, folks. We hold these truths to be sacred was Thomas Jefferson's first draft. He was talked out of it by Ben Franklin. So what we have now is something we probably all have embedded in our head. And yet we we have these two sets of words many of us memorized, and perhaps we don't even know deep down what they mean. I mean, both of these sets of words are in very common man language. I'm a common man. <laughs> uh, I speak, the one benefit that I bring to this program is I speak common man language. Even if we're getting into complex 
into homework that I've done for 30 years. I only know one language. We hold these truths to be self-evident, self-evident. This is crystal clear to Thomas Jefferson. Well, what's crystal clear to Thomas Jefferson? That all men are created equal. Well, how can that be? How can all men be created equal? We know, especially in the scientific modern age now. In the old, in ancient times, I think man pretty much figured out he wasn't created equal because he never found anybody who looked exactly like him. And we know that to be true confirmation-wise because of our DNA footprints. Look at it like a snowflake. There's no one snowflake alike. Same way with the human being. So what in the world could Thomas Jefferson be talking about that all men are created equal? Well, he follows it up with some depth and understanding that I know he understood. That's why he put it in here. Thomas Jefferson wasn't fluffy with words. He used words specifically. One of the most unbelievable lingwin, lingwin, linguistic usage man there was. In fact, I've read some quotes from him, and I would come across a word, and I'd, go, I'd say to myself, there is no way that word is even a word in the dictionary. I look it up, and there it is, and it has a very simple meaning to it. He could have used the very simple meaning. It's almost like he was trying to inspire people to do their own homework. We hold these truths to be self-evident. This stuff is crystal clear in Thomas Jefferson's mind that all men are created equal. Why? Because they are endowed by their creator. We should stop before the certain un, with certain unalienable rights. That is true. But that endowment from our creator is what Thomas Jefferson really understood as the source that gave us the ability to understand that we were in that we have unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. He understood that that endowment comes from our creator. It is a gift. It is that it is that peace, that fragment, that endowment, that bestowal that makes us different than the animals. It gives us the ability to think, to reason, to ponder the future, to reflect on the past. Animals can't do that. They live in the now. Animals are Creatures of habit by instinct, they live in the moment. They react to the environment in the moment. The human being, because of this endowment, is a creature of habit by the choices we make. And that's all we do as human beings <clears throat> is make choices. Now, we may take some of those choices for granted, like, hell, here comes the, uh, here comes the alarm. Now, most of us wake up, we move on into our routine. But there is a choice right there. Do I hit the snooze button? Do I ignore it? Or do I get up, which is what I usually do? Animals don't have this. In fact, if you look at an animal, they may be able to acquire habits, but it's still always in the now. We had a dog. For 10 years, the same thing at dinner time. It would come wandering into the kitchen, even though it knew better or supposedly should have known better? No, animals don't know any better. You see why an animal looks in the mirror, most of the time doesn't recognize itself or recognizes that it might be another animal? Whereas we human beings, 
we look in the mirror and we say, that is who I am. I know who I am. That ability of recognizing that comes from the endowment from our creator. It is the source of our identity, of our personhood, of our personality. It's the ability to remember. All of that comes from the endowment from our creator. Thomas Jefferson wasn't glib when he used these words. He knew exactly what he was talking about. You know why? Because Thomas Jefferson was one of the most hungry human beings for the acquiring of knowledge this world has ever seen. That's why he's one of the great men of human history in my book. Ten years old, he's learning two other languages. It's one thing to learn French and Spanish. He's learning Greek and Latin at ten years old. This is a kid, and there's no internet. There's no even libraries. He's got a lot of books that his family had that he's able to reference, and he's being taught by... He's in special kind of learning environment. But it all starts with the desire to want to know stuff. If you don't have that desire, then you're not really going to pursue knowing. Another thing is, this whole idea about Thomas Jefferson being a hypocrite, he owned slaves. I believe Thomas Jefferson pondered freeing his slaves but said, what are they going to do? There's no system of assimilation. You know, the one of the, you know, the very, he was in, in 1769, he was a representative in the state of Virginia. You know what his first bill was? Had to do with undoing slavery. You ever heard that out there? Did you ever hear that in school? But Thomas Jefferson well understood that an, that an entire and mass abolition of slavery all at once without a system whereby these people could assimilate into society. There were 200,000 slaves and 200,000 citizens in the state of Virginia. Can you imagine all of a sudden freeing all these people and there's no education system? There's no way for them to upgrade themselves because society didn't have that mechanism to help them along. Thomas Jefferson also put out an emancipation plan. And if it had been followed through, he wouldn't have had the Civil War. In the state of Virginia, he put it forth and lost by one vote. He was trying to set the tone. All these stereotypes that Thomas Jefferson has are totally all contraire in who the man really was. His emancipation plan was based upon one year, the year 1800. Every slave before born before the year 1800, remained a slave for their entire life. Every slave or children's of born after were born free. What would you have? A slow but sure assimilation, an ability for society to receive slowly but surely these new free people. I don't know what the outcome would have been. I don't think we, for, for sure, I don't think we would have had a civil war. Because by the time 60-plus years rolls around after the year 1800, well, there's already perhaps three-quarters, 90% of the children of slaves are now born free. I have no idea how it would have panned forth and how we as American citizens would have been able to assimilate. 
But I can tell you one thing. It sure would have been a better experiment to go after that than it was where it ended up, having a civil war. So Thomas Jefferson, I want you to understand, get rid of all those stereotypes you have about him. We hold these truths to be self-evident. This stuff is crystal clear to him. All men are created equal. Why? Because of that endowment from our creator. And again, animals don't have that endowment. We'll go into the break, and I'll tell you about my dog. Ten years, same thing, coming in there, expecting to get some food off the table. Now, it got to the point where, out of habit, all I had to do was say no, and it would stop itself right at the threshold of entering the kitchen. And eat. The, the dog would sit there the entire time we were eating. But there's no way an, an animal can think, can reason. Hey, we'll be right back. Stick around. Hey, sweetie. What's going on? Well, honey, I, uh... I have some news. Uh, okay. What? <laughs> All that training paid off. I got the job. Oh, I knew you would get it. So when do you start? When you donate stuff to Goodwill, you help provide job training for people right here in your community. Goodwill. Donate stuff. Create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Curtis Stone. You name a dish, and I've prepared it thousands of times. But even I can't cook enough to feed all of the 17 million kids in America who are struggling with hunger. That's where the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks comes in. They gather surplus food to give hope to hungry kids and their families. We call them food angels and you can be one too. Earn your wings at feedingamerica.org. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Tim Burns for DoggyDogWorldRescue.com. Are you looking for an adoptable pet that's been rescued from abandonment or abuse? You know, there's a lot of different dogs out there. You can get a dog that goes from abandonment and abuse to a cage and then to you. That will never happen at DoggyDogWorldRescue.com. Why? Because they have a great rehabilitation system that helps the animal find who itself is. So I encourage you, anywhere on the front range, if you're looking for a dog, go to DoggyDogWorldRescue.com. a little brief synopsis of my perspectives regarding one of the great men of human history, Thomas Jefferson. Now let's move into those 52 words contained in the preamble, starting with we the people. If you look at the declaration, it is, it is enlightening of those individual unalienable rights. And here comes the Constitution, which goes right into what? Well, there's the first three words, we the people. This is the defining document of how, well, man can love his fellow man in a civilized society, if you want to look at it that way. We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, can we be perfect? No. But even we, we know that Jesus encouraged us to be ye perfect like the Father in heaven is perfect. There's the goal. Well, here's our founders laying out the goal for a civilized society underneath 
and within the confines of the Constitution in order to form a more perfect union. There's the goal. A perfect union. And what they're going to lay out in the rest of these words is in order to, to form that more perfect union, you got to do certain steps. First one, establish justice. The second step, ensure domestic tranquility. Then provide for the common defense and promote the general welfare. Why? And secure the blessings of liberty. You have to do these things step by step in order to even secure the blessings of liberty. Why? Because if you do these formulaic steps and start securing the blessings of liberty, then you're accomplishing forming a more perfect union. Yeah, I've never been, this is an analogy that helps to kind of make an easy picture regarding what's being laid out here in the preamble and what we most all understand. We know the game of baseball. It's a great analogy. I've never been a diehard baseball fan. And we've heard that Amer- uh, that baseball is America's game. It, it does go back to the you know, mid and late 1800s. It's been the sport where anybody can play. And in fact, think about it. Whether you're playing that game in the most expensive ballpark with the best equipment, the best uniforms, even people cheering on the sideline, well, you only need one thing. Because you can do the same thing anywhere in a dirt lot in Iraq. You can play the game of baseball with sticks and stones and markers for the bases. What's the first thing you need? You need home plate. And you need the baseball diamond. Well, the Constitution and the preamble is that diamond. It is the diamond of freedom. You've got the diamond of baseball and the diamond of freedom. And notice, the only way you can score runs in baseball is you have to go through those bases in order. You skip a base, you don't score a run. You skip one of these steps in the preamble, and what will you not accomplish? You won't be able. What's a home run? What's a run in our preamble? Securing the blessings of liberty. That's how you score. But you got to... You have to touch all four bases in the diamond of freedom, and that is to establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, and only then can you go into the home stretch and start really promoting general welfare. You can't promote peace in a culture, in a civilization, in a society without doing the first steps first, establishing justice. Now, in our What is the establishment of justice? Well, it starts with laws. And where does ensuring domestic tranquility? Where do the justice system... Lady Justice, we all know she's blindfolded and the obvious cliche is justice is blind. But look at what she's holding in her hand. She's holding a set of scales. Do you know what they're called? They're called a balance. And that's exactly what this American civilization is. It's a great balance. It's that balance between my absolute unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness 
and how that comes into contact with somebody else's same absolute right of unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Here's an example. Wouldn't it be great if I could just get in my car and go 120 miles an hour across town and get where I want in at least half the time? Well, ignoring all the streetlights, ignoring all the rules and regulations which help to keep a society at peace, which help to promote the general welfare. Well, what am I going to do if I just say, I've got the absolute right and nobody can stop me? Well, I'm going to infringe on somebody else's first and foremost right to life. I'm going to kill somebody. That's the great balance that comes into contact when my unalienable rights comes into contact, conflict, tension. There's always that tension, which is always an opportunity to overcome, an opportunity to achieve. And that's where we come up with laws. And what do we have as a body? We have the legislative system, the Senate and the House. Those are the legislative bodies that establish the laws, establish justice, establish the consequences. No, the judicial system establishes those consequences. Well, how do we make sure that people are held accountable if they don't want to follow the law. We have law enforcement. We call them police officers. They're the go-between. Without any law enforcement, the law doesn't matter. What's the use? And so here you have encapsulated in these three first three bases the entire... In fact, look at our judicial system. Going back to the Ten Commandments, look at our entire judicial system, this great freedom-loving civilization, the whole judicial system, one division of the three, executive, legislative, and judicial, one entire judicial system is based on one commandment. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not lie. How important is it? Well, as a witness, you get on the stand and you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And that's why penalties for perjury are so great. Because if there's a breach, I just saw a a program last night. A cop was lying on the stand. It was a local news coverage from one of the cities on the front range here. And the point that was made by uh, somebody and their opinion is exactly right. If we don't have that way to where the truth can be told and we can trust that that truth is being told, then throw it all away. Anarchy reigns at that point. So I I thought that was kind of interesting in the fact that the whole system is based upon one commandment. And I realize that these commandments point out the negatives, but if you're not supposed to do this and you're not supposed to do that and this and not that and Well, what does it help you to do? It helps to point in the right direction. If you know not what to do, guess what? The possibilities are endless that you know what to do. So here we have, and this is very interesting because the big talk regarding this formula for world peace, the big talk has always been regarding our school systems and their lack of, well, their plain flat ignoring 
of the Declaration of Independence because it has the word creator in it. They simply ignore it. It's in the textbook. They don't teach it. And again, like I said yesterday, they couldn't teach it if they wanted to. And yet, when you look at what is in this preamble, if you look deep into the words that are being used, and once again, let me say, these founding fathers weren't glib about usage of words. They didn't just use it because it sounded good or because it rolled off the tongue. You have a couple of words in there that are in, because the argument has always been, well, yeah, that was in the uh, Declaration, but that's not anywhere in the Constitution. You can't find any of that. Are you in TimBurnShow.com? Do you see that set of words? Do you have your preamble? Are you looking at it? Can you guess a few words I'm talking about? We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty. Blessings. Where does that word come from? Why would they use the word blessings? Look at the dictionary. What, is the, what does blessing mean? What does the word bless mean? To consecrate or sanctify by a religious rite to make or pronounce holy, to request of God the bestowal of divine favor, to extol as holy, to glorify. Well, you think if they were that concerned about doing away with all talk of God in this brand new civilization that they were the founders of, you think they could have found a better word than blessings? Well, they use the word blessings because of the intent that they actually wanted, the intent that they understood. Like I said yesterday, this whole comparison, oh, we ought to be like our founders. They compromised. Why can't Washington compromise? And again, there's no compromising with somebody who wants 100% of their way, and if they don't get it, then they're going to find a way to blame the side that's opposing giving him 100% of his way. And then you have one of the most important aspects to our whole American civilization, a free press, who has no idea of what their objectives are. But it's a feeling world we live in. It's all based upon emotions. So you got the word blessing being used in the Constitution which goes all contraire to the stereotype that, hey, it's not there. Secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Do ordain. There's another one of those words. Founders must have been, they must have been out of their mind to use these words. Anybody would do some homework and look in a dictionary and see what, what the meaning of the word ordain is to invest with ministerial or sacerdotal functions, to confer holy orders upon, to enact or establish by law, edict, etc., to, to decree and give orders for. Those are all the main definitions, but Look at the ones that have to do with, with an understanding of that which the stereotypers don't want you to have any understanding. So the idea that, oh, there's no mention, there's no reference to any kind of divine influence. 
Well, there it is, right in the first 52 words of the preamble. The nail which, which the whole Constitution hangs upon. Let's go back to the baseball analogy because we all understand it. You can play baseball anywhere. All you need is the diamond, the baseball diamond. You can play freedom anywhere. All you need is the diamond, the freedom diamond. And this is, those 52 words are the freedom diamond. They are the formula for world peace. And that would be the foundational document. Those 52 words would be the foundational document in any world organization that I would be a fan of. But look at the interesting thing about laying down this diamond, whether it's a baseball diamond or a diamond of freedom. But look at what you have with a baseball diamond. You have the foul lines. You have that which is fair and that which is foul. You know, the only time progress is not being made in baseball is a foul ball. Nothing. There's no progress. It stays the same. And that is kind of true with if you, if you break the law, there's no progress being made in the diamond of freedom. In baseball, you have to touch all the bases in order to score a run. In the formula for world peace, you have to do these steps in order. You have to follow the methodology. You have to follow the pattern in order to make a complete package, in order to accomplish freedom, you have to follow these steps. You cannot score a run in baseball without touching the bases. You cannot score freedom. You cannot secure the blessings of liberty without touching all the bases of making laws, enforcing the laws, having consequences of those laws. Then and only then, if you have an anarchy going on, how can you promote the general welfare? The biggest problem we have in this day and age right now is we have ceded too much power and authority through our money that we give them, through them, from us letting them tax us to where there's no prosperity. There's an opportunity here and that's what we talked about yesterday, that opportunity, that grassroots movement that I believe is hungry out there. They have something in common. They got less in their back pockets. And it crosses all political lines, gender, race, economic lines. But they have something in common. And it was pointed out by... Two out of every three people look in the mirror and say, I'm conservative or somewhat conservative. They all recognize now there's too much coming out of their back pocket. It's time for that we the people revolution. We'll be right back, folks. Tim Burns for Nominal Exhibit Services. The convention business is big business. Why? Because big business is done at these conventions. 20%, 40 half the business for the entire year can be done at these conventions. If it's time for your company to step up and you just don't know where to start, I encourage you to call Nominal Exhibit Services. Not one company does it all, but one company takes care of all the logistics, and that's Nominal Exhibit Services. Call them at 303-901-9090. 
Hey, John, what's up? Hey, Dave. Remember Hank's story about the key to a woman's heart is an unexpected gift at an unexpected time? Yeah. You were right. JT Jewelry does have some really cool stuff. So I did what Hank did. Got Amy two pieces of jewelry, and she loved them. And that special touch of going together to the jewelry store to get her pendant just the way she wanted it worked like a charm. Next time you see Hank, tell him thanks. I will, but let me tell you another story. I saw Bill, and he looked like a truck had run him over. I asked him what was wrong, and he said he went to a bunch of other jewelry stores looking to get a gift for Jean. And they had all the same stuff, and it was nothing but bling by all the same designers. He stepped up to the pump, spent a pretty good penny, and gave it to her, and she loved it. So he was a hero. Yep, but only until they went to a wedding reception a few days later. As people were introducing themselves, a lady came up, and they both noticed they were wearing the exact same pendant. Youch! Yep, he's been in the doghouse ever since. I'm gonna guess you told him about jt-jewelry.com. Yes, I did. All right, welcome back for the final turn of the final day of the week of the Tim Burns Show. Now, this formula for world peace, this 52 words, this, well, the the diamond of freedom, this isn't a, a new discovery by our founders. This actually can be traced to the entire human experience from the start of primitive civilizations all the way through to the highly most advanced civilization that we are right now. This formula, this diamond, is where power resides, whatever the civilization may be. Let me give you an example. Let's go back to primitive man, and there's a tribe. Now, who leads that tribe? The chief does. Who has the power in that tribe? Well, the chief, in most cases, is the law, my way or the highway. He's the one who establishes justice. He's the one who ensures domestic tranquility by making the decisions. He's the one who decides how to provide for the common defense. He's the one who picks the warriors to protect. Now, they're not providing from necessarily an enemy. It's mostly from the wild that live around. So they're protecting their borders, you might say, from the wild animals that might come at them. There's always a watchman back in those days, as there is now. And as we head towards Memorial Day, thank you, watchmen, through the times of the United States. You actually are fulfilling in big fashion what's been going on ever since the onset of civilization of mankind. The only way the tribal chief secures and starts promoting the uh, general welfare is all the other things have to be working right. But look at where all that power resides. No matter what stage of the progress of civilization you look at, the formula is the same. It's just how that power is broken down. It's taken big steps. You know, I talked about yesterday about this grand opportunity for this hungry base that's out there. One of the things that would be good in that new platform for a brand new party would be to follow 
the man, George Washington, and his example he set. The greatest accomplishments in civilization and the advancements thereof happen when those who have the power disperse that power or delegate that power and that authority somewhere else. Here's George Washington. Everybody wants him to be president for life. They want, hey, they've been used to growing up with a king, and that's almost what they want. And George Washington says, you don't get it. This is the new world order. I am not going to be president for life. I'm serving two terms, and he set the example for this country going forward until some Democrat in the uh, late 30s with a panic and disaster upon us in the early 30s decided he was going to betray and say, hey, I'm bigger than George Washington. I'm bigger than our whole America. I want to serve more than two terms. Then they had to make a constitutional amendment to stop that. You want to get the attention of a hungry American people out there? Make a platform with term limits. And if they don't want to follow, if they're in the party and they don't want to follow, you know, I'm doing a pretty good job. Maybe I should. Then they don't get support. If any one party, Democrat or Republican, especially the Republican Party, if they chose to make it the rules within the party that term limits apply, ten, uh, uh, 10 years, five terms in the House, two terms in the Senate, I'm telling you, they would attract the attention of those people who were hungry to start advancing our American civilization. We're being stifled. Government is never the answer. They're the most efficient model. Promoting the general welfare. The most important word, maybe, of all of those 52 words in the preamble in the times we live in it is to promote the general welfare, not provide. We have become so big, it's beca- the government has become so big, and times have gone on for so long that we take all this for granted and we think, oh, the government is responsible for that stuff. No, they aren't. They should be in the job of promoting the general welfare, not providing it. They should not be a player in the landscape, landscape of trade and commerce. They should be the referee. They should let the private sector develop these things, and when they see a great standard that can be applied across the board in order to promote the general welfare, then that's what their role should be. But they love their power now, and it's going to be tough as nails to get rid of this because it's become so huge. Well, the start of it all can begin with a we-the-people revolution but they got to find a home. I think there's a slew, definitely more than 50% of people who know that this isn't working quite right. And yet when they look at both of the parties, it's almost like it was 160 years ago. They were ignoring it. Back then, it was people standing at the border of Kansas saying no more slavery past this point and Washington this is your responsibility why are you allowing rogue slave societies to go on west of here that grassroots movement that abolition movement that found its home in a political party called the Republican Party that same pattern 
that same, well, that same opportunity at this time is awaiting a hungry we the people. The question is, is, is there that potential to have this political evolution? I hope there is. You know, you look at the times way back when, and in order to provide for the common defense, you had to have the watchmen standing. And as we head into Memorial Day weekend, like I did yesterday, I want to thank those. I realize my viewpoints regarding Iraq being a noble mission doesn't, even within military members who might be listening to the show, they don't agree with me. We planted a seed of freedom over there, the seed of freedom, that seed of freedom that's contained in those 52 words. We planted it, maybe the last hope of that part of the world. Plant that seed in the 7th century and let the new light of the 20th century, 21st century shine over there as an example to the rest of the people around them. But we walked away from it. We betrayed the very 52 words that this whole country is founded upon. So, folks, I want all of the soldiers who served before, during, and are serving now to have a great Memorial Day holiday. And we will, too. We will see you Tuesday on The Tim Burns Show. Have a great one. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.